Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're going through the book of Exodus, and we're slowing down a bit and taking our time going through the Ten Commandments. And we are now, um, we've moved through the first five up through honor your father and mother, and now we're moving to the second half where we're dealing specifically uh, beyond just the father and mother. We're dealing with specifically with the commands that deal with how we relate to one another. The the previous command was kind of a bridge between the laws that deal with how we relate to God and how we relate to people. And so now we're in the beginning of all those laws that specifically address how we relate to people. So we are in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. And Taylor, if you would read this for us. I don't know. It's a long one, John. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> Let's read the word of the Lord together. You must not murder. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, um, yeah, this is... Uh, the rest of the commands, uh, most of them are going to be short like this. And, you know, especially starting with murder, it's pretty easy to look at that and just blow past it, say, well, yeah, murder's bad. We, we shouldn't murder. And I, I haven't murdered anybody. The vast majority of people um, uh, haven't murdered anybody. So it's easy to think that this somehow doesn't apply to us, that we, you know, I'm, I'm in no, I don't think I'm in any present danger of breaking this law. However, that is kind of a misunderstanding that's based on our our use of law today as opposed to their use of law then. So the word law has kind of changed its definition, not just because of the language, but because of the function of law and how law works within society. So I, I've brought up this example before in some past devotions, but the idea is that in modern law, laws have to be very specific. We can have unlimited paper practically, and now digitally we can have unlimited uh, writing. And so laws tend to multiply and laws have to be very specific. If a law isn't specific enough to cover the offense, then it's not illegal. And, and one of the famous examples is when email first came about, there were all these laws about not sending harassing written communications, not sending harassing letters, things like that. And so when emails came out and people started using that to harass people, it was not illegal because email is not technically a written form of communication as writing was understood. It was an electronically written or electronic form of communication. So whole new set of laws had to be created. It wasn't illegal. In the old uh, Testament time in the ancient cultures, laws function differently because you were writing these things on like clay tablets or on parchment you created yourself or papyrus that you pounded out from reeds. It was hard to write things. And so you would write out, generally speaking, one kind of emblematic law and all the other laws would be derived from that through wisdom. And, and that's why you needed judges so that they could correctly apply the law. The famous example is that in the Code of Hammurabi, which is, you know, kind of contemporary with this, uh, it says that the wages of a boatman are one shekel a day. And so no matter what your profession, if you felt you were being underpaid, you could seek redress from the courts under that law. You didn't have to be a boatman. They would just compare your career, your job to the importance of a boatman, and they would adjust accordingly. So that's how ancient laws work. It was a case law. You'd have an emblematic law, a case law, and everything else would be derived from that. And this is actually, I think, this understanding clears up what many Christians, I think, misunderstand with what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus uh, famously says that if you call someone a fool, you're guilty of murder. If you uh, look at a person lustfully, you're guilty of adultery. And we think, on one hand, we think that's crazy. How can these two things be equivalent? Or we might think, well, that means 
Jesus is just trying to say that we're all lawbreakers and and everything is just as bad as anything else. And so we have no right to judge. And those really are not uh, a proper application of what Jesus is doing. Jesus is taking the case law, which is right here. Do not murder. Don't murder. Right. He's taking that and saying, OK, you think you haven't broken this law. But let's look at other ways we can break this same law, maybe not to the same extent. This is like the maximum uh, violation of the law is to actually take someone's life. But there are a lot of other ways that you can damage people and hurt people. And in fact, anything that you do that brings harm to another person, physical harm to another person, violates this law. It's just that actually murdering them is the ultimate expression of that. But if you are to do something damaging to them, it is actually breaking the same law, just not to the same degree. And I think with that understanding in mind, it, it might make more sense to us now if we read what Jesus says in, in Matthew 5. And I'm going to, since you spent so much time reading before, I'm going to give you another chance to, uh, <laughs> to go back and get a little more work done in here. So uh, let me turn back to uh, Matthew 5, 21 through 26. Sure. Is the word of the Lord. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not commit murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call them an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on your way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge, who will hand you over to an officer, and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we see Jesus doing that right here, breaking down the many different ways that we can break this sixth commandment by doing damage to other people, by not respecting that they are human beings created in the image of God, that they are worthy of a certain kind of treatment or respect. I love even this, this one with uh, the gift, gift at the altar. Uh, we hear it two different ways in the Gospels. One that if you remember, it says here, if you remember if your brother has something against you, right? It's not even you remember you have something against someone else, but even if they have something against you, go and settle that. Make peace between each other. Don't break this law. And it's not a matter of breaking laws or not. That's not the main point, but it's living in a way that is in violation of God's hearts, God's desires, and, and expressing God's desire here that God desires that you be uh, at peace with your sisters and brothers. He desires that even more than he would desire sacrifice or or any other thing like that is ultimately uh, what true worship is is to live in right relationship with each other to not be in vile living in a way that violates this commandment which is to say violates community violates uh, the image of God violates the way that God wants all the children to relate to one another and all of that to say the law here isn't just like oh well you know I didn't break that command well okay maybe you didn't break that command to that extent. But we have all broken this command in different ways. So anyway, uh, Taylor, I'm wondering what you think of that and maybe some of your own insights on this uh, command. Yeah, well, you and I are definitely on the same page on this. Um, and I agree. I, I really appreciate how you, you know, you, you, you kind of you warned and, and, and cautioned us not to blow past this, say, OK, well, I haven't killed anyone, you know, so I'm good and can just ignore this or, you know, I'm not going to. So, who, you know, who cares? 
because I, I do think like on one hand, it does seem so basic and that's a very real temptation. Uh, but I think that we should look deeper here and see that th th this is the foundation upon which almost all society is built. I, I mean, if, if this gets violated, all you know, it's chaos. And obviously this does get violated. We read about this in the news or maybe we've experienced the loss of a loved one to murder. I, I hope not, but it, it happens. Um, you know, th this is a really core core thing for us to understand how God wants us to relate to one another. And it tells us something about the heart of God. And, you know, there are times when God does allow Israel and the Israelites to kill, but not wantonly and certainly not without cause. And, and there's a really important distinction between killing and murder. And there's, you know, I mean, we could go all day on all these different distinctions and theological debates that have been going on for thousands of years. And I'm sure we would settle it because, you know, you and I are exceptionally bright. But, <laughs> you know, the point of this is that no Israelite could take a life on their own. Uh, and, you know, there, of course, there are thorny ethical and theological questions around this that don't don't get spelled out. Um, but I, I love how you, you phrase this and, it, and, and help folks understand this. It's, I could not agree more. It is there is this kind of temptation for us to get legalistic about, OK, well, the line's right there. And if I come up to right just underneath it, I'm good. But that's really not the point. God values human life. That's why it, it's important that we're not wantonly uh, just killing each other, because if that were to happen, then that would mean that might would make right. And this is a way for God to command that vulnerable people are protected. I mean, I think about children or people who are not as physically strong as their neighbor in a business dealing. I mean, you know, we, we almost take it for granted at this point, but it, we really shouldn't because this is the foundation of God's teaching about his care for humanity and his instruction and his prohibition to us uh, not to uh, be flippant about that because, you know, we recognize like today you might, you know, it's harder to get away with it with murder, but in ancient times, you know, it's not like there was a modern police force. There was not forensic evidence. Uh, you know, you could, you could maybe get away with it. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a really important way for us to understand God's character and, and his instruction for us in terms of how society is structured. Um, but I will say, um, you know, I, I think it's so helpful to bring in, I'm glad we brought in Matthew five because, um, it, it would be so easy for us to say, well, I've never murdered and therefore this doesn't apply to me. And I'm just going to tell you what, I violated this commandment this week. I was on the phone with, uh, I won't name them, but a telecommunications company. Uh, I was having an issue and I got put, it took me over an hour, didn't get my issue resolved. Had to talk to 11 different people. None of them were the right person. Got disconnected three times. They gave me three different phone numbers to call. All were wrong. And I tell you, by the time I got to the 11th person, I was a little snippy. And I had to apologize. I did apologize to the poor person. I said, you know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have taken that tone with you. This is not your fault. But I was really angry. And I would actually what caught me was remembering Matthew 5. I'm not I'm not making this up. I said, oh, my goodness, like I've gone too far. I, I'm unjustly angry with this person and I need to I need to apologize. And so, um, no, I didn't, you know, violate the worst possible way you could do this. Um, but I tell you what I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think there's a lesson there for that. And I, and I appreciate how you frame this, that um, it would be too easy and it would be unfortunate for us to take from this. Well, I haven't physically taken someone's life to think, well, I've, you know, at times we can be so angry that we can miss out on seeing someone the way God wants us to see them. And God values all human life. And so we're called to value all people as God values them. And in our anger, we can dehumanize and we can be, uh, we can give ourselves a permission structure to say and do things 
uh, that do not recognize the innate image of God and the beloved character of the person across from us. And so um, in that way, we can, um, we can, we can, you know, get our, ourselves towards murder in, in a way that we're, we're not allowing them to be fully who they are and who God wants us to see them as. And so, um, yeah, so I would just say, let's not skip over this and think it doesn't apply to us because I think it absolutely does. So those are my thoughts. Well, I, I would, I think the, um, the past 20 years or so, I think have shown many of us that, uh, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words do permanent damage, right? Like yeah. there's, there, there's a way in which, um, casual racism, unconscious bias, bullying, uh, these things, even if they don't have lethal consequences, which they often do, they are terribly destructive to people and destructive to society. Mm. And, and so I, I think we need to take seriously that this command applies far beyond actual murder, far beyond physical violence and comes back to this whole idea that, you know, God said in the times of Noah saying that you, you cannot take each other's lives because, because you're created in the image of God, right? Like that's, that's at the heart of it is that if you want a relationship with God, you cannot do damage to those who are created in God's image. And James picks up on that same idea saying that you, you know, you can't praise God with the same tongue that you praise God. You can't go and curse those who are created in the image of God. This is just something that, that cannot be. And I think it's too easy for us to think that it can. So uh, with all that said, uh, Taylor, I'm wondering if you would pray for us and, and for our hearts that are, uh, to be honest, are so inclined to break this command. Absolutely. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that um, we would be filled with your love today, that uh, we would not be drawn into the seductive temptations of anger, and that for the frustrations of life that we encounter, that we would encounter them with your spirit of grace and love so that all who are in our presence and that we are in relationship with would know you because of your love flowing out of us. Help us to be accurate, holy, and gracious reflections of your love for all people. All this we pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you everyone for joining us again today. And I just would like to leave us with Jesus's words. Uh, if, if you know that there's someone who has something against you, or if you mm -hmm. hold something against someone else, uh, consider it, at least consider it, maybe consult with someone else who's spiritually mature and wise in your life to think about what's a next step that God might have you take in that relationship and go in peace. <laughs>